0: Good morning, everyone. Stopwatch started. It's going to be important given the subject. So we're continuing in our series of Honoring God in 2018. And so today we are thinking about honoring God with our time. So I'm going to take 30 whole minutes to share some thoughts with you. I say that, it's now 29 and a half minutes. And frankly, that's like 29 and a half minutes that, that you're never getting back. It's, it's true. By the time I sit down, half an hour will have, will have elapsed and well, that's it, it's, it's gone. So this is the upbeat start to inspire you. In part, to to make the point that, well, time is so precious, isn't it? So I'm sure, like me, you're really keen to know, well, how do we use the limited time we have been given, how do we use it really well? So I thought we could begin with a bit of a survey to get a sense of what would be a really good use of time and what would be a bad use of time. So are you ready for that? Excellent. Getting all the right answers in all the right places. Okay, so good or a bad use of time? Here we go. Three hours shopping. So we'll do a bit of order. Bit of order to things. Okay, who thinks three hours shopping is a good use of time? Oh, yes, definitely see some hands there. And hands down, um, who would say bad use of time? Okay. F- Probably 50-50 on that one. Um, next up, 30 minutes on Facebook. Who would say good use of time? Pretty quick there, Ben, with that hand. Bit of debate. A few tentative hands over here and one or two at the back, hands, hands down. Who would say bad use of time? So, so, none of you are on Facebook, or is it that you are on Facebook and you think it's a bad use of time? Okay. <laughs> I like that you stood up to say that, Tarzan. That's, that's, that's great. Okay, a bit of activity now, uh, 30 minutes swimming, who would say that's a good use of time? Oh, we, we like our exercise, or at least we like the thought of exercise. Um, Hands down, who would say bad use of time? One or two people really don't like to swim. Okay, next up, four hours watching two football matches consecutively. And two hands from Wayne and two hands at the back. Hands down, um, who thinks that's a bad use of time? Ooh, ooh, that's pretty overwhelming. (laughs) <laughs> hands hands down some people voting both good and bad there and finally an hour and a half preparing a meal good use of time avoiding the microwave and hands down who thinks that's a bad use of time <laughs> some people think that's a bad use of time thank you thank you hands hands down Well, thank you for the feedback, because those are all things that I've done in the last two months. Uh, The three-hour shopping, that was Boxing Day. We actually spent an hour trying to take things back that we'd got for Christmas that didn't fit, and it was actually two hours of then looking for some bargains. Um, Well, swimming, try and do that two or three times a, a week. Four hours watching football, I think if you'd known that that was Bradford City winning, that would have made a difference, I think, yep, yep, followed by Newcastle United getting well beaten, so would have been better in the other order. Um, well we've got some divided opinion on how best to use time. So the good news is this morning, what we're doing is we're looking at God's Word. We're seeing what the Bible says about how we honour God with our time. And specifically, I'm going to bring five principles from the life of Jesus. My encouragement to you today is to be listening out for God's Spirit speaking. We're going to look at, at His Word, and there are five different aspects of how we could spend our time. And I really would encourage you to be listening out for the one, which maybe God today is saying is an area where in 2018, you could honour him in a greater and more significant way. You know, the Bible says so much about time. Ecclesiastes 3, we read, there's a time for everything. And then in Psalm 139, the psalmist says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Every day, every block of 24 hours is God-given. And I think therein is, is the first big challenge of this topic to our hearts Simply my question is, whose time is it anyway? Preparing and praying about this morning, you know, I started to see that this whole question of time is really one of stewardship. And in church, I've heard that word associated much more with money than I have with time. But the truth is, we are stewards of every hour, every day, that was written in his book before one of them came to be. So a healthy view of time is similar to a healthy view of money. So we're just going to look briefly at 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 14. And the context here is David giving to God the resources that would be used by God. They'd be used by Solomon to build the temple for God. I'd encourage you to have a read of this chapter in this coming week. There's a whole kind of prayer of praise. And it's just like David releases everything to God, recognizing that it first came from him. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we've given you only what comes from your hand. Every day is given by God. So honouring God with our time, it's really just about finding ways to give back to God what he has already given to us and every day is giving to us. So if you're interested, we are eight minutes and seven seconds in. And we're now going to think about the five principles that I think are there in the life of Jesus. The first principle that I think is so clear as we read the gospel accounts of the life of Jesus is that he makes time for the Father. Time for the Father. Just a few verses to kind of point us in that direction. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Early in the morning, while it was still dark... He arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. So that prayer is just Jesus the Son speaking to the Father. Luke 5.16, but he himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. I've underlined often in my notes. Mark 6.45, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he himself was sending the multitude away, after bidding them farewell, he departed to the mountain to pray. And then Luke 6, it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray. And wait for it, he spent the whole night in prayer to God. You get the picture. The principle is of time for the Father. Now, what we need to know, and I think this is an encouragement, is that it doesn't have to be one particular time of the day. There isn't a particular formula. When you look at the life of Jesus, he spends time with the Father at different ways at different times. Some of us are morning people. Some of us are not. Whatever it is about your schedule that you think is the best time, think about giving that time to God. But how amazing that communion with God is there for us every day. That we can talk with him, that he will and wants to talk to us all day, wherever we are. What an amazing privilege of having his Holy Spirit living in us Communion with the Father. But you know, the challenge of these verses is that Jesus had perfect communion with the Father and yet he made the time to stop. He just clearly stops in the schedule. At times it's really inconvenient for those around him. He stops doing other things. He takes time away from people and he makes time for the Father. The second thing, the second principle we see in the life of Jesus is that he takes time and makes time for friends. Over the years, I've heard many leadership teachings around the ministry teams of Jesus So you'd be familiar with the three, the 12, and perhaps the 70. So the three would be Peter, James, and John. The 12 disciples. And then in the gospel accounts, we we hear of Jesus sending out 70. And you know what's really clear to see is that he built friendship into life and ministry with people. In the gospel of John... John's writing and he describes himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. And you know, what I think we see as we look at the way Jesus did life and did ministry, is we see a huge encouragement to each of us to invest in friendship as we serve God together. Whatever your ministry is, area in church I would encourage you to deepen friendships with those that you are serving alongside and the truth is you know volunteering to be part of a serving ministry in church I think is the quickest and best way to feel part of church but it's also the quickest way to really get to know other people. And we see that in the life of Jesus. We see that he had a real heart for those that he was serving alongside. But you know what I find really interesting and powerful is that that relationship group was, well, it went beyond just ministry team. Particularly the example for us is of Mary, Martha and Lazarus. So those are names you've possibly heard. They were two sisters and a brother who lived in a town called Bethany. They were connected to the disciples, but they were not part of the twelve. And so we read in the Gospels of how Jesus will visit their home. He will take time with them. And you know, it speaks to me of just Jesus' emotional self. Beyond ministry, beyond the thing that God has called him to do, choosing friends that he can do life with and journey with. And what we read is that he developed a deep friendship with them. John 11 verse 3, the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is ill. The one you love is ill. And then in verse 36, you'll know that Lazarus dies. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. As Jesus wept for the sense of loss. Fully man and fully God. Fully friends. Friends doesn't really cover it. Deep, deep intimacy. And so the encouragement for us as we think about how we honour God with our time is that we make time for the Father, but that we also make time for friends. Thirdly, what we see in the life of Jesus is that he made time for working. In Matthew 6 and verse 3 we read, Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Jesus had a trade, the trade of his surrogate dad, Joseph. What's interesting is as the eldest son, he would have been an apprentice to his dad. But what we can clearly conclude from the way that the gospel accounts are written is that Joseph By this time has died. It's thought that he passed away sometime before Jesus' public ministry. And it's interesting, therefore, that he's not listed here. The brothers are listed and Mary is listed. And so, well, we could draw all sorts of conclusions, but I think it's likely, therefore, that Jesus would have been heading up the family carpentry business it's likely that all of those brothers would have been employed in the same trade. And so Jesus would have had that experience of work and potentially of leading a team within work. In a couple of weeks' time, Matt's going to be speaking about honouring God in your work. So we're not going to dwell here today except to highlight the obvious value that Jesus placed on working for a living. From being age 12, he would have become an apprentice. So the Son of God did a physical job for most likely 18 years, which is six times as long as his public ministry. Honouring God with our time is about diligence in our work. And for those who don't have a job and would love a job, it's one of the reasons why our job club here at the Light Church is such a valued ministry. Honouring God in 2018 could be about a new attitude for each of us to our job, to our work, even if that's not a job that we enjoy or the ideal job forever. More to follow, I'm sure, in a couple of weeks. So in the life of Jesus, we see time for the Father, time for friends, time for working. But you know, I'm so glad that we also see time for relaxing. Thank you for those amens. It's brilliant to see so much here in the life of Jesus about relaxing Mark 4 tells us that Jesus was the one who was asleep in the back of the boat, resting while others did the work, even in the storm. Now, there are some of us that don't have an issue with that principle at all. <laughs> then there are others of us that would really have an issue with that, I find it really hard to stop thinking that others might be working. I think for me, I would say I like purposeful relaxing. Relaxing. That, that that's me but I know for some of you just putting those two words together like purposeful how can it be relaxing if it's purposeful during our 18 years of, uh, of marriage um, my wife Rachel has taught me so much in so many aspects of life including what it looks like to really really relax she's she's brilliant at it. (laughs) Really, really good at it. So getting to know Ray, I kind of, I'd say quickly worked out, maybe not as quickly as I should have worked out, that Ray needs slow times and, and spaces. As I'm filling the diary, she'll be saying, where are my spaces? She's, she's taught me that you know, the morning isn't a time for doing things. It's a time for getting ready to do things. And hopefully some of, some of this is rubbing off on me. But I'm challenged when I look at the life of Jesus and see how relaxed he was and how much relaxation he insisted on for those that were ministering with him. So Luke 4.42 when day came, he departed to a lonely place, and the multitudes were searching for him. It doesn't say he went to pray. It just says he got away. He got away. Despite the need and the opportunity, Jesus deliberately took time on his own. It's a great kind of biblical mandate for the, for the introvert, Those of us that are slightly on the I side of that that line, that's me. It's okay to have time on our own. And even when there's huge need and opportunity, honoring God isn't just about time with others. It includes time on our own. But Mark 6 and verse 30, we read, The apostles gathered round Jesus and reported to him all they'd done and taught. You can imagine the kind of buzz as they were feeding back on their missionary trip. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I'd suggest to you there's um, perhaps a word for some of us there. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I'd encourage you this week that there's a great study here. Looking at, on the one hand, in the Bible, busyness and hurry compared to wherever there's a reference to rest and stillness. I'll give you a kind of quick starter. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 6 says, it's better to have only a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time. Or Psalm 46, verse 10, be still, be still and know that I am God. Or Exodus 20, you've six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is the day of rest dedicated to me. Time for the Father, time for friends, time for working, time for relaxing. But finally, time for serving. We as the Light Church are so blessed. We are so blessed that so, so many really live this out. Already today, I haven't got time to list the many many ministries that we are the recipient of just as we sit here those that have served us already today and are serving us right now as we sit here john 5:19 very truly i tell you the son can do nothing by himself he can do only what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does the son also does So the question when it comes to serving is simply, what do you see the father doing? What do you see the father doing? Where do you see God at work in your life, in your school or your college, in your workplace, in our church, in the lives of others? And how can you honour God in serving him there? Jesus saw the father at work and followed that lead. But you know, most significantly, when we look at the life of Jesus, when it comes to time for serving, the words of Luke 22 and verse 42 are really, really where it's at. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. In other words, this is something that I really, really don't want to do. But the bottom line is not my will. Not my will. Not my will. Is it possible that we've lost the sense of serving his will and not ours? Last weekend we were sitting at the table and um, Ben had arranged one of his many sort of scooby snacks. (laughs) They're often kind of late at night we... We kind of hear a bit of noise and then we smell the eggs frying and um, whatever he's kind of cooking up. And and this time it was noodles, which is kind of one of Ben's favourite foods. So kind of commenting on this, um, Rachel said, quite a parent thing to say. She said, um, well, if you love noodles, maybe God is calling you to China. (laughs) To which Ben just very simply said, no, I don't want to go to China, which I think is fair enough. If the basis of the missionary call is a liking for noodles, (laughs) it's not very discriminating, is it? You know, many of us would uh, would be finding ourselves called to other parts of the world. But I think it kind of connected with some thoughts that I really sensed God had kind of stirred up in me. It was something that John said to me a few weeks back and and I felt that it really kind of fitted here. And I've got a diagram that came to my mind of God's agenda on the one hand and my agenda on the other. And I think when it comes to time for serving, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it, that we look for the overlap. That's a kind of logical thing to do. yet yeah, I'm not sure it's entirely the godly thing to do. More and more I hear Christians talking about partnering with God. Partnering with God. Like on the face of that, if that speaks about cooperation with, then that's a good thing. But if it speaks about seeking this, kind of intersect of where I'm willing to go with what God wants and not in other ways, then I think that's a concern. So the second diagram is really how I would suggest we need to see the making of time for serving. And hopefully there is overlap with things that we would naturally enjoy and want to do. I would say find an area of church life particularly that you can serve in that you're gonna really enjoy. But maybe deliberately choose an area where maybe a lot of it you don't enjoy and you have a real sense of sacrifice because we certainly see that in the life of Jesus. Well, if you're interested, we're on 27, 57, 58, 59, 28 minutes. Half an hour that you're not getting back is almost gone. Honoring God with our time. Let's make time for the Father. Time to stop. Let's make time for friends. Let's honor God as we work and have diligence in our work. Let's take time to relax. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And then let's also make time for serving. Not my will. Not my will. If we could be saying that to God this week, in the decisions that we're making, in the way that we're serving him, not my will, but yours be done. Which is the area then that God is speaking to you most about this morning? Where are you not honouring God in a way that you could be? Psalm 90 says, teach us to count our days that we may gain a wise heart. Teach us to understand what a blessing it is to receive every day. And give us that understanding, give us that wisdom that we would use it well. Let's take a moment then just to pray, each one of us. The prayer team are over by the banner now. If there's an area where you just really want to be able to ask for some prayer, maybe an area of service where you want to submit to God, then do head over there and let's allow God's Spirit to speak to each one of us.